0: You are listening to ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Tens of thousands of autologous stem cell transplants are performed each year to treat blood cancers and other diseases. Is there a way to increase the long-term success rates? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs and other therapies for new uses. And with me is Dr. Luis Parada, Assistant Professor, Department of Medicine, Division of Hematology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Dr. Parada and I are discussing his human clinical research entitled Randomized Phase 3 Clinical Trial Comparing the Outcomes of Immunologic Autographed Engineering versus Standard Autographed Collection in patients undergoing autologous stem cell transplantation for lymphoma. Dr. Parada, welcome to ReachMD.
1: Uh, Bruce, thank you for um, allowing me to participate in ReachMD.
0: So that's a that's a mouthful, that uh, research study title. Tell us about autologous stem cell transplantation in cancers. What is autologous stem cell transplantation? When do we begin using it, and what's it all about? Sure.
1: So autologous stencil transplantation or stencil transplantation started around the late 1970s, and the reason for uh, autologous stencil transplantation was mainly to try to overcome uh, resistant cancer cells that were able to survive the standard chemotherapy. So the rationale behind autologous stencil transplantation is that we hold that the higher dose of chemotherapy that we give in the autologous stencil transplantation will be able to overcome the uh, resistant cancer cells. And by doing that, improve survivals and our patients. The main complication or side effect of the high-dose chemotherapy in the autologous stem cell transplantation is that high-dose chemotherapy can completely wipe out the, uh, the bone marrow, which we need to uh, produce white cells, platelets, and hemoglobin. So to overcome that co- main complication, we collect the stem cells that give rise to white cells, platelets, and hemoglobin. We collect them. We freeze them, we give the high-dose chemo for the autologous stem cell transplantation. Then those stem cells that we collected, we infuse those back to the patient. That is the transplant. They go into the bone marrow, and they start producing, again, white cells, platelets, and hemoglobin.
0: So why do we think uh, this works for some patients and not for others?
1: I think right now we're still learning. In my view, I think that the reason that we see some patients that this is working, others is not, Is a correlation with a different type of transplant called allogeneic stencil transplantation, where we see in that setting that it's not only the chemotherapy, but also the donor immune system is able to target the malignancy treated. In the autologous stencil transplantation, the emphasis has been mainly on the high-dose chemotherapy that will do all the work. But we feel that in the autologous stencil transplantation, as part of my research, that probably the patient's own immune system might have an impact in the treatment of their underlying malignancy and hopefully be able to improve the chances for the autologous cell transplantation to work.
0: Describe the current study. What diseases is this being tested on and what's the sort of scientific rationale behind it?
1: The study that we're doing right now is we're going to have patients to be randomized to uh, a machine that we have modified not only to collect stem cells but also to collect lymphocytes because we have learned that patients that after autologous transplant, that recover a high number of lymphocytes around day 15 have a better survival. And we have also proven that recovery at day 15 of lymphocytes depends on the amount of lymphocytes that you collect at the same time that you collect stem cells. So the study is based on the fact that we're going to randomize patients to a machine that we have modified to collect more lymphocytes versus another machine that we use the standard collection. And we want to see if the machine that we modify to collect more lymphocytes increases the lymphocyte recovery after transplant and hopefully increase survival. The beauty about the study is that the only manipulation that we do is on the machine so we don't increase the risk of any side effects or complications from the transplant standpoint. And at the present time the only disease that we do in this is a patient with non Hodgkin's lymphoma. But it destroyed Proved to be positive, this can be applied to other diseases that we have shown that the lymphocyte recovery is significant for survival, which include, for example, multiple myeloma, acute myelogenous leukemia. Uh, People have shown also this in ovarian cancer, breast cancer, and not only in the adult setting, but also we have seen the same phenomena in the pediatric setting.
0: This may be a silly question, but if you're treating non-Hodgkin's lymphoma by putting lymphocytes back in, doesn't that sort of seem oxymoronic a little?
1: Yeah, people have a lot of patients being asked me about that because they say, Dr. Prada, lymphomas usually means that the cells that became, became malignant are lymphocytes. That's where the name, uh, the lymphoma, comes from. But the lymphocytes that we're, that we're looking at are not malignant lymph, uh, lymphocytes. And specifically, the lymphocytes that we're interested in are is a type of lymphocyte called natural killer cells, or what we call NK cells. And this lymphocyte has been proven. Uh, that have the ability to kill malignancies, to kill cancer. So what we were doing in the study, not only we were trying to see how much lymphocytes we'll be collecting, but we also going to be seeing how many of these NK cells we're collecting too because we identified that by day 15, the key cells, the key lymphocyte cells that is affecting the survival are these natural killer cells.
0: So let me make this clear for our listening audience. The real difference between a low success rate and a high success rate in autologous stem cell transplants could be the number of natural killer cells you have back in your body at day 15 after transplant.
1: That's what our research so far is leaning towards, too.
0: Wow, that's fascinating stuff. So how long did it take to get this project towards the enrollment of its first patient from the very first time you guys had this idea? How long did it take?
1: Usually um the project itself since we came with this idea is has been a long time. We discovered the concept of the lymphocyte recovery back in two thousand and one. From them we subsequently find where these lymphocytes were coming from, and we discovered these lymphocytes were coming from the lymphocytes that we collect with the stem cells. And that was around two years ago that we made that discovery, that we made that connection. Subsequently, we made the connection about the machines, that the machines are the ones that affect the lymphocyte collection. Since 2001, we've been working on this on this idea, and right now the developing of this study has been probably from the last two years or so since we discovered the connection with the lymphocytes that we collect with the stem cells with the lymphocyte recover on day 15.
0: Why don't the natural killer cells work in the patient's body before the transplant if they work so well afterwards?
1: What we believe, Ruth, is happening is after the transplant, the high-dose chemotherapy is giving us a second chance for the immune system to work. One of the beliefs right now why the tumor cells or cancer cells are able to evade the immune system is because they develop ways to fool the immune system. And what we believe is when you give the high-dose chemotherapy for the transplant, by destroying a lot of the tumor, the ability of the tumor to fool the immune system is not there And now the immune system have a second chance to recognize the tumor and kill the tumor.
0: When you do the harvesting originally, do you still have cancer cells that end up in the transplant?
1: I can tell you that right now when we collect stem cells here, we do tests to make sure there's no, for example, lymphoma cells at the same time that we collect stem cells. Being that the case... There's been studies of patients that were collected stem cells with some tumor cells versus patients that were collected stem cells with tumor cells, and the stem cells and the tumor cells were treated to reduce the amount of tumor cells. Those patients... When those stem cells were given back to the patient, if regardless if the stem cells were treated or not to reduce the amount of tumor with the stem cells, the survival of both groups was the same, meaning that it's not so much the tumor cells that we collect and infuse back to the patient causing the disease to come back, but it's the tumor left in the patient that we have been unable to eradicate with a high-dose chemotherapy.
0: So who's on the team for this research project? How many people are involved?
1: Uh, right now, the people that is involved is the lymphoma group, specifically the transplant lymphoma team, which include myself... Dr. Dave Inwards, Dr. Ivana Mikhailov, Dr. Patrick Johnston, Dr. Steve Ansel, Also, Dr. Svetomir Markovic, who is my partner and also a lymphoma expert and an immunologist. And we also have what we call the apheresis team. This is the team who's in charge of manipulating the machines, which is head by Dr. Jeff Winters and Dr. Ed Berlaster.
0: Tell us what it's like to get this project formulated, approved, funded, and started. What was all the steps that needed to be done?
1: Yes, Bruce. It's a long-going process, unfortunately. Uh, By the time that we set the concept of the study, I had to present the study to our bone marrow transplant group for them to review and approve the study, and that was done. Because this is a study that we're treating lymphoma patients, then I had to present this study to our lymphoma working group for them to approve. After that is approved, then uh, our next step is we have a hematology research committee who supervise any protocol that is going to be run at Mayo Rochester for lymphoma. So I had to present that to the Hematology Research Committee to be approved. After that was approved, then I have to submit our study to the IRV, our Institutional Review Committee, to make sure that it was an ethical study uh, for our patients. Then after that is done, then we have to do all the paperwork for the study. And we're probably, hopefully, finalizing that in the next few weeks so we can be able to open the study hopefully next month.
0: And how long is it scheduled to take from start to finish, and how do patients get enrolled? The study right now is planning to
1: accrue patients for at least two years. Then we have a year of follow-up. And any patient that is a candidate for autologous stencil transplantation for non hodgkin lymphoma, this study will be offered to them. At the present time, this study will be the number one study from our bone marrow transplant lymphoma group. In other words, there will be no competitive studies going on.
0: And how do you justify putting some patients in the control arm when you expect that they won't have as good an outcome as the patients getting the engineered graft?
1: A lot of my colleagues have been asking me that question. Unfortunately, to do good science, this is the, the, the gold standard trial to do. Uh, many of the studies that we have done, or people have done, to prove that this is really true, you need to do what we call a randomized study, where you put patients in the arm of the new drug or new idea versus the control arm to see if that new idea does any better than the control. Because what happened in the years past is many times there's a new drug that a lot of promising, and when you do a randomized study to see if this is true, many times that promising that was there before is not there any longer. So, To do good science and to prove that this is really true, we need to do this randomized study where we use this new idea versus our control group.
0: And for the patients that end up in the control group, if their original stem cell transplant doesn't work, will they be eligible for another one?
1: For lymphomas, uh, at the present time, uh, a second transplant has has now been approved to be the standard of care. This is different from patients with multiple myeloma. So if the patient failed the autologous transplant in the, from, uh, from the lymphoma standpoint, then patients will go to further chemotherapy or new protocols or new drugs available for them.
0: Quick answer to this one, would you think of maybe doing a second transplant and doing one engineered and seeing if that helped? Uh, that, will
1: be, that will be a possibility, but I think right now that is, uh, that is down the line.
0: We're fighting cancer on many fronts, especially in our hallowed researched institutions. Subtle changes in the way we deliver autologous stem cell transplants may lead us to better treatments and cures, especially for blood cancers and for other diseases. I want to thank Dr. Luis Parada of the Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota for sharing his fascinating research study with us. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing drugs and other therapies for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.